Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Fiction. Science fiction. Horror. Fantasy. Crime. LGBT Thriller. You have now entered the House of Mystery. With your hosts, Eric Shapiro, David North Martino, John Copenhaver, and Al Warren. Good on FM Los 102.3 FM Riverside and 1050 AM Palm Springs. And we are back. William J. Hall is joining us again. How are you tonight, sir? I'm great. Thanks for having me back. Oh, it's a pleasure. Your great conversation. Always good to talk to. You've written another book. It's out. The Haunted House Diaries. Uh, excellent read. And uh, um, where did where? Did, let's start with the inspiration because uh, your your first book was excellent as well. And and how did you uh, how did you get two books so close together, kind of in the same category, but they're both done so well? Well, oh well, thank you again. I like this. Why don't you just go on and on okay, and yeah. compliment me for the rest of the hour, and I'll just sit here and <laughs> yeah, listen. No, yeah. um, no this was uh, really a, a lucky find. Uh, Paulino, who I became close friends with, he was a witness in uh, the Lindley Street Bridgeport Poltergeist case that was a subject of uh, the World's Most Haunted House book. Uh, we became quite close, and uh, and I was seeing him often, and and, uh, you know, we discussed a lot of stuff. And it came a point when he said, you know, you're really, you know, I got a case in your neck of the woods. And I, you know, I think you're, you're, you'd be perfect to, you know, meet the family and whatnot. Would you like to come? And, you know, of course I said, well, yeah, I would. And he said it was one of the strangest, probably the strangest case that he had in, in 45 years of, of paranormal research, that it was like a paranormal circus, he called it. Um, or crossroads. So I said, "Well, geez, that sounds, you know, great." Yeah. And uh, so he talked to the family, and so I had a very easy in because he was researching this since 2005. So um, you know, I really 
dispense with a lot of the first interview kind of stuff you'd go through and the vetting and, you know, all of that was already uh, underwritten, if you will, by Paul. And, you know, and he knew and experienced phenomena there. So I knew it was real. I knew the family was the real deal. Um, I knew the history. There was already video evidence um, as well as uh, photo evidence. So uh, it was just a great, you know, place to come into it. And, uh, and we were walking down in the backyard, which is very beautiful and big. And, you know, and he said, you know, this could be your second book. And, uh, and I said, are you sure you don't want to write about it? He said, well, I'll never get to it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so, uh, so I said, yeah, you know, I would love to, you know, cause, uh, the publisher had asked me, you know, what do you want to do next? Which, you know, how do you turn down something like that? You know, when somebody actually wants you to write something. So it, it was, uh, a, a really great, uh, opportunity, you know, from a great friend and it was, uh, um, good having, uh, you know, brought a team together really to, to help with it. And, uh, it was a great experience because the family was, you know, they weren't in any turmoil or anything like that. So it wasn't that kind of a thing. Uh, it was something where you can relax and visit and, and sleep over and gather evidence and, and, uh, interview and, and things like that. And uh, everyone is, you know, very well adjusted and curious and things like that. So it was a great, uh, really great environment to, to be in and get involved in. Oh, that's great. It, it helps the process. Uh, right, yeah. And so this was another case that Ed and Lorraine Warren had investigated. There seems to be a lot of that uh, kind of approaching uh, the media lately and movies and things like that. But was that really something that was important to you? What that Ed and Lorraine were there? Yeah, like did that make a difference? Oh, Just that, like no, that... no, not at all. Not I mean, at all. Yeah, no. They they stopped by and uh, and Lorraine said the house is very full, which you know again is the same impression that that we all got. Um, and basically told uh, Donna, the lady of the house, that uh, uh, she really shouldn't worry. You know that they, they didn't see any you know harm or, or issues that way, and and you know they left. So. Did it make a nice addition to the book? Yeah, but it's, uh, you know, with or without them, it wouldn't have, wouldn't have really mattered. And, and in fact, it, it really didn't give uh, any insight to the, to what was going on there. I think we needed, uh, um, you know, the people I brought in and, and people who were, I, I guess, I don't know, broader minded for lack of a better term, you know, again, uh, Ed and Lorraine, nice people, you know, I think they meant well, but, you know, very, old school and you know they everything they experienced was tied to their uh their beliefs you know i I mean we're all kind of you know guilty of that but i try to keep an open mind and you know say hey it could be one of these five things or it might be something else that's not on my list that kind of thing but uh you know they were very much uh everything's a demon or a spirit of the dead or you know it was very compartmentalized and you know old school and you know that's that's okay because that you know that was their belief, just like you know, the uh, the old time parapsychologist and you know some of us still do uh, believe about the the agent of the poltergeist and all that. And you know I I like to think broader, not that that's necessarily. I mean that may be part of it or all of it. Who knows? But uh, but yeah, so it didn't matter that they were involved. I mean it was nice uh, to have uh, um, you know that as part of the story, but. Um, you know, again, not not a significant uh, 
part at all. Did you find when you have cases like this and you're going to um, perhaps write about it that uh, do you do you look for outside kind of um, how do you say outside support like that, such as Ed and Lorraine? Maybe not them, but in your own circle somehow. Do you do you have particular people you like to work with on these? Yeah. Things? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, Paul, of course, would be be one of them. He's he's just a you know great guy, great friend. Uh, Shane Sareway, who is uh, um, I call him the trifecta of the, of the paranormal. He grew up in a haunted house. He had a near death experience, and he's Native American. So, <laughs> so if he's not sensitive <laughs> to anything, then yeah, there's nothing there. Um, and, you know, Mark D'Antonio is great to have. Uh, he's an astrophysicist. He's also an audiovisual expert for the Mutual UFO Network. And it was great having him on board because, you know, yeah, I'm a magician, but I don't know about optics. You know, see, you know, there wasn't an issue with, uh, you know, the family faking things or, you know, there wasn't any of those issues. Uh, uh, but misinterpretation and perception are always uh, you know, they always need to be in the forefront of our minds. And, and Mark was, uh, as we call them, our resident buzzkill. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he, you know, talk about somebody who's he's open-minded. He's had paranormal experiences himself. Obviously, he believes in UFOs because he's, you know, with the Mutual UFO Network. So he's done all this stuff, and he has all of this personal experience because he was also a contributor to book. He had a missing time and an, an implant and all sorts of stuff, which we can get to later. But he, so he had his own experiences, in, you know, in that very area. But if you tell him something's phenomena, he will still try to dispel it. And I think that's just a great thing because you have to, you have to do that. Um, you have to be objective. You have to realize that you're going to be subject to the same optical illusions in photos that you would be at a place that isn't haunted. And, you know, if you know a place has phenomena and you're taking photos, it's only natural to see anything in those photos as evidence of that phenomena. And, and it may be or it may not be. So, you know, you really can't do it. Uh, you know, I'm a big proponent of, you know, bring the people in that know. You know, if somebody's getting cuts in their arms, you know, you better have a psychologist on hand. You know, if yeah. if somebody's telling fortunes, you better get a magician. If uh, somebody's showing you photos, you better have a, a, a photo analyst. Uh, and if you don't, you're you're going to get fooled unintentionally. I mean, everybody, it's not like people are trying to fake things, but it's only natural for us all to, uh, you know, to see the evidence that we're looking for, especially if we know we're in a place that has phenomena. So I'm, I'm a big proponent, uh, as I think all of the, not that I'm a great one, but as all the great paranormal investigators do, is uh, they're more or less, um, you know, the leader of a team that brings in the necessary experts to get the job done. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't think a lay person could interpret the validity of a fortune teller without a magician. It's just not possible. It's not within your bailiwick. It's not. It's like me looking at the engine of a car and telling you what it looks like. I don't know anything about cars, so my opinion's useless. And the same would be about a lay person with fortune telling. It also would be the same result of me looking at a photo, because what do I know about? I mean, I know more now working with Mark, but... You know, I'm not an optical expert, so I, you know, I'll miss some things that are reflections and think that they're something else, or maybe not, but or maybe simply not know. So I think it's a, 
a very, very important step to, to bring in uh, the right people because the worst thing, the thing I want to avoid is I don't want to put a photo in my book that's obviously, uh, you know, just an optical illusion. Right, right. You know. Yeah, you want to have some sort of, yeah, I agree. And yeah. in, in the research and the timing that you're doing all this, how does this affect your personal life just on that side of it? Like, uh, do you put 24-7 into this? No, I, you know, I, I pick away at it. Um, you know, certainly you put a lot of time into it. Um, and, uh, and I was able to do, uh, you know, with this, uh, of course it was very different because it was an active investigation. So I was uh, writing as well as uh, being on site, you know, at the same time. So it was uh, a bit more involved, but, uh, uh, you know, but luckily, um, you know, I haven't found a girlfriend yet, so I'm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I have the so, time. Yeah, because well, that would have it would have been twice as long. Easy. It would have been twice as long, right? Yeah, yeah. No, but it was. Uh, yeah, again, it, and it was, of course, a labor of love, and you know, and it was, it was, it was very social. This this book, as opposed to you know to Lindley Street, which was a wonderful experience, but it was finding a treasure trove of interview tapes and things like and doing a lot of interviews, things like that. This was a lot of on-site, so it was, uh, you know, it had a nice social component to it. You know, the family's wonderful and lovely, and it was great getting to know them, and they adopted me despite the fact that they didn't want to, but I forced them. But, uh, <laughs> and, you know, so it was just a great, um, you know, a, like I said, a great uh, social experience uh, to boot. But, of course, that did make it more of a challenge because you had to write and you had to uh, make sure that you were on site gathering the things uh, that you need and the interviews that you need and things like that. So, well, that's that's uh, interesting. But did, now, did you find that a different way um, on your writing? Uh, because, as in, like you said, the first book on Lindley Street, you did a lot more research and less. It's not like you're now. This one here, you're doing a lot of um, in-house. You're there. Is that a different approach in your writing then? Uh, yeah, I would say it would be. Like, you know, for the diary, um, there was the original diary, and then, you know, the way it happened for the book is I would interview individually um, different members of the family and see where we can add to the detail of the diary the questions that I had that I think readers would have because when you're just writing notes you know you're not writing it as detailed and so I wanted to make sure you know that we got all the details within those uh, those entries you know especially if it's something Donna half saw but somebody else may have seen all together and to also get their reactions to it so you know if there were any notes that I can make about reflections and things like that um, so that was one difference and you know, the other thing was having um, a, you know, an active investigation section of the book as opposed to, um, you know, recounting an investigation that took place back in the 70s. So, yeah, there were some uh, differences to it in that respect. Um, yeah. And yeah, it was very, and it was very neat because, of course, I experienced things and was part of that evidence gathering. And, you know, I really enjoyed that Um yeah, which of course was not available with uh, Lindley Street, other than the amazing amount of things that were on the, you know, the cassettes and reel to reel. But you know, right, right. right. Uh, and if I remember right now, um, you when you grew up, um, 
you were a practicing magician. And um, now your father was not really a believer of the things in Lindley House and paranormal ghosts and that sort of thing. That's if I remember right. Oh, yeah, no, you do. Yeah, a load, <laughs> load yeah. of crap, I think, was his Yeah, exact, I think that was the... Know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although, it's, it's amazing, listening uh, to me and, you know, the evidence I gathered in the first, in, in the book, um, he's not putting it down as much. It seems to be like it's opened up a little for him. Um, you know, he's not a big reader and whatnot, so, you know, he, he's actually, God bless him, he's tried to read it, uh, but he doesn't get very, yeah, he's just not a reader. Yeah. Uh, or especially, you know, at, at, you know, his retirement age, he did, but, but he is a little bit more open to it, and I, you know, I, I think that he is in, intrigued, maybe still doesn't, but he's intrigued, he's at a level in, of intriguement versus his original, it's all crap, and I don't want to hear any details, because, yeah, I already, my mind's made up, and, you know, like Stan Friedman says, my mind's made up, don't bother me with the facts, you yeah. know. So, <laughs> exactly. so, yeah, so, he, you know, he, he yeah. has been surprisingly uh, more open to it, so. Well, that's a good thing. So so coming from that background now, so uh, with kind of a non-believing and kind of going into the uh, most haunted house in the world, and now, so has this new experience in writing the, the diaries and you being more live while things are happening, do, do, do you have more of a belief now for it than you did? Yes. Uh, yeah, I would say so. I mean, I believe that Lindley Street was, was real, or else I wouldn't have you know, written it. Uh, but it is that, that 1%, you know, if you're 99% sure, because how could you be 100 if you didn't? Although... You know, I, I've said before, sometimes maybe not seeing it is more reliable than seeing it. You know, is it better to have 126 witnesses or me see it and then doubt what I've seen? <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> so you can go either way. But no, this was definitely a nice component to it um, to say, you know, without a doubt, you know, I know um, uh, that it's real. And of course, I've always believed in UFOs. So I get to me, they're all kind of you know, relate it in a sense, you know, I think it's much more holistic than, uh, you know, than a silo, but, uh, but it still was a nice confirmation of, uh, even if it's confirmation of what I already knew, it's, you know, there's nothing like, you know, real confirmation. So, yeah. so it definitely had a nice dimension to it. Yeah. I, I, I would think that it would change in the way you do things from actually being part of it. Yes, definitely. Yeah. yeah, definitely. So um, let's uh, tell the uh, listeners who are going to go out and buy the book now uh, <laughs> some of the uh, some of the details. Of what what happened? Well, uh, Donna, uh, this the this uh, it's a paranormal flap, which basically is just an area of heightened energy, an open portal, open window, you know, whatever you want to call it. And um, it seems to be a triangular area. And um, I would say this farmhouse, for lack of better terms, is at the epicenter of it. It's surrounded by water on three sides. It's a 1793 farmhouse. Um, so it certainly has had the people go through it. And Donna, uh, the lady of the house, has kept a diary for uh, 50 years. 
not every single day, but you know, has basically written on piece of paper, backs of envelopes, school papers, uh, trying to capture the uh, phenomena that's happened in the house over the years since she was a teenager till now, and she's in her sixties now. Uh, and her family has lived in the house for six generations, and as far back as anybody can remember, there's been phenomena in the house. So uh, a good part of the book focuses on her uh, diary and the experiences in the house over the years. Um, and then the next section is about phenomena in the area, because there are many houses uh, in that area that have paranormal phenomena, not to the degree and diversity, et cetera, that you know, this farmhouse has, uh, but they certainly, there's just a lot of, uh, that stuff going on, uh, including in the area of many UFO sightings, uh, black helicopter sightings, what we believe is a, is a secret government base, underground government base, uh, Bigfoot sightings, um, and, um, so there's just, it, it's kind of, as Paul said, a paranormal circus, or like I like to describe it, a one-stop shopping for the paranormal. You know, if you want to experience it, you know, it's great, because anytime you want, you can go over to this house, and, you know, as Ben Eno, Paul's son, said, you know, every time you go there, there's something different. So it's it's kind of like a great, uh, you know, great place to go and, and gather evidence and experience things. And um, so that's basically, you know, the overview part. And then as far as things happening in the house, there are um, ancestors uh, that um, interact. There are um, entities that sometimes interact, sometimes don't, you know, as these things go. Uh, there's uh, things that resemble UFO phenomena. Um there's uh, weird time slips, I would say, for lack of a, a, a better term. Uh, the children uh, talking like in, in an adult, kind of very sophisticated voice and, and talking about, uh, you know, prior lives and things. Really bizarre uh, things that happen. I can give you, um, you know, uh, one of my favorite stories is... Um, uh, ever since uh, the grandson was uh, at the house, he would point up at the ceiling and, and uh, you know, like he was engaged with something. And um, he, uh, you know, they'd have to literally pick him up and, you know, bring him back to the center of the room. And this happened even, you know, when he was in his crib, it was like he was, you know, laughing like he was, you know, his attention was drawn to some spot in the distance, you know. And, um, he, you know, by a year and a half, he was, you know, he would be playing on the floor and then he would toddle over and point and, you know, like he was engaged with something and, um, and smile and things like that. And, uh, as he grew a bit older, uh, he would stand, you know, at the window looking out to a very large old tree that stood in the front lawn and, um, and he would say things like, that's where Ashwar is. You know, so now, of course, they knew there was paranormal stuff going on. They didn't really want to feed this interaction. So they, you know, they just try to distract them with toys and things. Um, and by the time he reached five, it was a fact for him. You know, um, this was Ashwar, and Ashwar was a little girl in a blue dress. And she got in a car accident with, um, with her mother. And uh, she was now stuck here to observe in the tree. 
And uh, he would actually go out there and put toys around the tree. And they said, what are you doing? He said, well, I'm putting toys out for Ashwan. And, um, you know, so it was a really bizarre thing. So, um, and, uh, you know, he had mentioned at dinner, Ashwan searching for her mother. She doesn't know where, where she is. And um, Paulino was there in 2010. And he... Uh, he was talking to the grandson and asked about Ashwar and, you know, Dale was explaining, the grandson was explaining about Ashwar. And, um, you know, he even said, uh, you know, a few years ago, she and her mother were driving a silver. This is bizarre, you know, for a little kid to be saying this, a silver two door, um, Oldsmobile on a country road when an animal darted out in front of them and Ashwar's mother swerved, hit a tree, splitting the car in two. The fire department was on the scene of the accident. There was gas all over. Now, scene of the accident is like a bizarre term, too, for a young <laughs> child to say. You know, <laughs> yeah, the fire department went to the scene. There was gas all over the road. Ashwar was hurt really bad, had blood all over her face. Her left arm was broken, and uh, she immediately went up into the tree. Um, and they had to cut the, the top of the car off. Her, her mother was taken to the hospital and died about two hours later. So this is, you know, a bizarre story. And so Paul's, you know, asking about this in 2005. And, um, uh, he said, you know, he says, well, is Ashmore here now? And Dale says, yeah. And points out the window. Yeah, she's right up in the tree. So he goes out with his, uh, his uh, infrared camera and he films it's pitch black. He doesn't see anything. And, um, when he got back to his house, he, you know, he checked the video and during the replay, it was like a serpent like creature slithering down the tree. And, um, it, you know, it was bizarre. And it turns out we, um, we found a gentleman, Greg Harold, who back in 1974, he was having trouble with vandals, uh, at his home in Florida. And he set up a surveillance camera to try to catch the culprit. And instead, he started catching these entities, which looked like Ashwar. That's bizarre. You know, large head, short arm, tentacles of some sort. And and so he was filming the creatures from 1974 to 1980. And so, you know, I sent him the video and he said, oh, yeah, this is these are the same things that I've been filming. And so he sent me an hour and a half of a video of these things. So I interviewed him for the book and, you know, what, what he's observed over that time, because he's been, a, you know, looking, watching these things, trying to figure out the behavior and things like that. And um, so it's fascinating to think that these Ashwar <laughs> creatures were filmed, um, you know, over, over there in Florida. So, I mean, that's just an example of some of the just crazy things that, uh, you know, have gone on in the house. Well, and how how did the family deal with it? Um, this because this isn't your normal family life, and with so many, right, well, you know, and so many things happening, not just you know little noises or candles blowing out or something like this. These are kind of uh, much bigger events. Uh, how did they interact? Did they did they keep it quiet from? family and other people out their their close network of friends or did they try to hide it uh great question um 
you know, Donna talks a lot in the diary. I mean, her parents were petrified of, of course, a different age. They didn't want anybody to know about anything because they felt if they went to sell the house, they wouldn't be able to. Of course, nowadays they might be able to get more money for it. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> you know, but, um, you know, but Donna, um, you know, she was born at the hospital and brought back to this house. So to her, the paranormal was normal. The only time that she realized it was different uh, in her situation was when she had sleepovers with her friends and realized how quiet it was at their houses. Um, you know, because otherwise, as a child, you don't know, right? You think everybody has this kind of experience. So, um, you know, growing up that way, Donna um, was not, you know, quote-unquote afraid. I think a lot of people who would be in that house would leave. Um but, you know, Donna grew up with it, and she sees it for what it is, and I, I, so does the, you know, so does the family. Now, different uh, people react differently. Her son says, oh, no way I'd live back in that house. And, you know, her daughter would live in the house, but wouldn't want to go in the basement alone. So, I mean, everybody has their level of, uh, of that kind of thing. Um, luckily, for the most part, there hasn't been, you know, intense negative kind of activity, but that's the kind of people they are. I mean, right now, Donna and her husband, Bob, live in the house. And, uh, I mean, they're not scared to death. I mean, if they were, they certainly would leave. I mean, they know the stuff happens and, um, you know, the house has been in the family for generations and Donna's not, it's not like she's afraid for her life or anything. You know, if, if the drapes jump off or something, yeah, she'll jump just like I would have a loud noise or something fell over. Um, but, uh, you know, the actual phenomena itself, um, you know, she says, well, a lot of it's over very quick, so it wouldn't scare you. Plus, you know, she's not the type, she doesn't hear footsteps and yell demon. You know what I mean? She's yeah. not that kind of a person. So I think they're the perfect people to have there. Obviously, if you had a, you know, dysfunctional family or something in there, it could be a nightmare because, of course, then you get other things coming through the portal, if you will. And, and of course, not just peeking through, but, of course, knowing that there's something there to feed on or, you know, at least that's what it's appear that, that they do. Um, so, you know, how they handle... Now, that doesn't mean they weren't concerned, like, oh, geez, you know, what is Dale involved with? Yeah. Um, and, of course, some people, uh, uh, you know, who, who read this stuff, and either my book or other books would say, well, how could they put their children in danger? But I think, I think their understanding of the paranormal is much different. So I, I don't think they have that same... You know, Donna's children, both Michelle and her grandchild, Dale, um, you know, I mean, they were entertained by these things. And she believed, you know, in the case of Michelle, that, you know, she was being entertained by uh, a deceased loved one who later Michelle was able to identify, never saw before and said, oh, yeah, he used to play with me in my crib. And they're like, what? You know, <laughs> like, how do you say, you know, why do you say that? You know, you, you can't know that, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I think it really is the interpretation. If you interpret it all as evil and demons, then, yeah, it's irresponsible. They should be frightened. They should run, you know. But that's really, you know, a bang in the wall to them was, uh, some sort of paranormal activity, but they didn't look at a bang of a wall as being evil. They looked at it as a bang in the wall. You know, so I think, I think it's just a very different thing. Now, that doesn't mean that maybe I would stay there. Maybe I would, maybe I wouldn't. You know, it's hard to say what you do if you're not in the situation. But I think, uh, you know, for somebody like Donna, um, I think it would take, 
something. I mean, again, she grew up with it, so um, it's a bit different. And plus, she's got you know they got a really good understanding of it, you know. And I think the way you understand it and the way you interpret it makes a big difference because I mean, people ask me, well, were you scared going there? And I said, not at all, and not because I'm brave, just because I think I had the right people around me that um, explain the way these things worked. And as I learned that, it, it wasn't scary because I understood the limitations. I understood, you know, again, these things can't do anything to you. Sure, they can ruin your life, yeah. but that but that's only if you let them kind of thing. You know, it's not that psychological ruin is, is uh, harmless. No, it's not. It's probably, the, you know, the worst. But as long as you understand, I think, how it behaves uh, and, you know, why and what it means and that kind of thing, um, you know, I think that that gives you a big edge. Obviously, if you're you're frightened and you're tormented and horrified, then um, it's not going to be good. Just like any stress in our life that we put on ourselves uh, when there's no reason to. So yeah, and you were saying like this is sort of in this area, there was a lot of uh, paranormal activity. I guess is the best we could put it. Yeah. So so I guess kind of. The neighbors and the people around them were all sort of, I, I don't want to say used to it, but they're they're familiar with all the happenings. Yes, uh, not necessarily, you know, I mean, Donna shared it with some people. Of course, now the book's out, so, you know, a lot of people know. Um, and uh, before that, it would be more of a kind of testing, like bringing the subject to haunted houses and kind of seeing, you know, what they say and stuff. But she knows, you know, some of the neighbors have, you know, activity and that kind of thing. And there's actually, you know, a decent amount in the area that has activity, not, again, to the degree they do. I mean, their kitchen was a general store. So, I mean, and, of course, 1793. So, you know, the amount of people that have gone through that place, uh, as well as being at the center of kind of that uh, surrounded by water on three sides and, you know, just everything. It's like a paranormal poster child, that land there. So, um <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, and of course, a lot of the people, you know, there's a lot of uh, UFO sightings there. There was, you know, I didn't speak of it in the book, but there was allegedly a UFO craft there. That was not true. So, um, you know, just to mention that, I, I didn't mention in the book that it wasn't true, but I didn't mention in the book at all. Um, but that was actually a meteor that looked like it crashed, but it didn't. It really went over the horizon. So it was, you know, one of those kinds of things. So, you know, again, the importance of, you know, validating and looking at the right, uh, you know, the right uh, place. And, of course, that's unfortunately kind of, you know, why a lot of people look at us people believe in the paranormal and they're like, oh, you guys are idiots. And, you know, that's not true. Yeah. But you really do need to validate this stuff. Actually, I've, I've had the other reaction. Um, I know I was always not scared, but I always wondered putting my name on it, being a magician, and you know, and also you know, interacting with people whether they would think it's weird. Uh, but I'm absolutely very surprised that I, you know, I, I must, I don't remember coming across anyone who maybe it's just people I not people I hang out with. No, because even strangers, I don't remember coming across anybody that really said, no, you know, I don't believe in the paranormal at all. I mean, I'm sure there are people out there, but it looked like everybody knew somebody or had a story or uh, definitely believed uh, for a number of reasons, and it was kind of like, you know, six degrees of 
uh, of uh, you know, Kevin Bacon or you know whatever person yeah. you want to use. But yeah, I mean it was, and people in my family even, you know, cousins and stuff that I you know, never talked to the paranormal about. And once you have a book out with that, and they come and confide stuff with you that you're like, well, how come you didn't tell me? And they're like, well, you don't tell your magician. Why wouldn't we tell you? You know, it's like. Yeah, be scary, you know, talk about a more scary person to, you know, to talk to about it. Well, yeah. So, yeah, so it's, uh, and you probably find that too. It, it really is amazing, you know. Yeah, there's uh, people in the closet. Yeah. Uh, right, exactly. And, you know, people think, well, if it's that prevalent, how come, you know, it's like, yeah, but if you look around, it, it, you know, don't say how come only a few people, because it really isn't a few people. It's, to you know, in, in my journey, it's almost everybody. You know? yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I see it all the time, and yeah. and it is like being in the closet. It's a, there's a lot right. of people that are scared, and uh, they think that. Um, I guess they think people will laugh at them, or uh, there's all sorts of issues. I guess that can come up, and it. it I right. find- this is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. I find it different in different areas. There's one about ghosts and ghost hunting. It seems to be a little bit better now than, let's say, still UFOs. Right, right. Uh, no, know. I see what you mean. Yeah. Also, professionals, of course. You know, if you're a psychologist and and you you know you've run into this stuff or have patients who have and really believe them, you know you you know you just can't you can't really yeah. you can't get you can't be, get behind it on on record, so to speak. You know. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's a tough thing. Yeah, it's a tough. And people, uh, I think there's I, again there's the typical there's a stereotype to the type of person that would believe in this sort of thing and. And they're going to rope you in there. So yeah, it definitely is getting better, though. You know, with with uh, physics and you know quantum uh, quantum physics and, and multiple universes, and you know, um, I thought I'd be more excited when they said water on Mars, but now I'm like, what about Roswell? You know, yeah. <laughs> you know, so. What about the important stuff? Right, exactly. Yeah, they're already here. What do you mean? <laughs> Who cares? Yeah, Mars. I know it's funny. Yeah. So this area, do you, and it being a portal, is do you think that there's certain parts of the world, speaking of the physics and and that are just those sections that that will all, that will always be a portal. It doesn't matter if the farm exists and and what exists in that land and that area, that all these things happen. It will still happen because of the area. It's, it's, it is nothing to do with who's there. Yes, no, I, I completely agree. It's definitely not the house; it's the land. Obviously, the house has people in it, and because that area itself um, has this phenomena, um, you know, the people are on that land. So that's, of course, where it ties in. But yeah, it definitely is the land, and not just a house kind of kind of deal. Um, and and it again, you know, Donna can vouch for six generations of family. And there's only been three different families that have lived in this house, which is amazing. Um, so you know, her family line goes back six generations, and they've always talked about you know paranormal stuff going on there. Um, and there's been you know Bigfoot sightings and uh, uh, you know people from the sky talking to the people on Earth. You know those kind of legends go back. You know Mohawk Mountain in the area. You know literally hundreds of years. So I mean we're we're talking about a place that's just has a long long history of this. Will it always be a portal? You know who knows. But I would say there's a good chance of it. Yeah. You know kind kind of like Bermuda Triangle and you know and and those other kind of things. Um, I don't know if the Hudson Valley area is still like that from Hudson Valley UFOs and other course, famous flap Bridgewater triangle and, you know, uh, Skinwalker ranch and, you know, all those kind of, matter of fact, Paul called this the Connecticut Skinwalker ranch because <laughs> it had the you know, same kind of diversity, you know, although, you know, luckily it's more fascinating than, um, you know, the, there was some negative stuff, but not really, 
or things that you can interpret as negative. I, I'd rather say it that way because, you know, a lot of stuff we interpret negative, but um, they may have negative effects on us, but maybe they're not negative themselves. You know, like it's funny, I was giving a lecture the other day and somebody said some people felt sick, so they, you know, the, the, uh, the paranormal society said, well, that's negative energy. And, and I thought to myself, well, why does it have to be negative energy? You know, why can't it just be energy that made you feel sick? You know, maybe, maybe the outcome's negative to you, yeah. but it doesn't mean the energy's negative. That's you know, right. it, you know it's, it could be, you know, if you have a, a parallel world intersect, uh, or, you know, like in Lindley Street with the refrigerator floating, I mean, that's due to the energy. So there would be, there would be valid reason why you wouldn't feel very good being in, in the middle of that. Yeah. Yeah. So. Oh, totally. I mean, uh, it's just like music or anything. It, it, it would be like saying that's a negative song, even though it made you feel sick or you hate that song, and the next person loves it. I. <laughs> it's a good analogy. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> the best I can do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but yeah, uh, that's why I think you know we're we're quick to say negative or evil or that kind of thing, but. Uh, the outcome could be very negative. You feel sick. That's not a great feeling, but it doesn't mean that it was caused by something bad. It's right. caused by something that's bad for you, for yeah. your health, or for you know the way you feel. But it doesn't mean that the energy itself is bad. It could just be energy. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, the pumpkin spice latte, and that's what happened. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm terrible here. So. <laughs> So now, what was your impression when you were there? So you said that you you were there because you had a group of people that were comfortable and knew the situation. Were there things that scared you? Um, no, I wasn't scared at all. Um, and I think you know, of course, part of that was I was writing a book, so I was more excited to to gather things. So you know, we set up the cameras that were. You know, respond to movement and take three consecutive pictures that were timed and, you know, the audio and that stuff. So I was, I was very excited about, uh, gathering things. I was not, I mean, I went in the basement myself, which is, you know, yeah. kind of a creepy place. But, uh, but no, I wasn't. But, you know, again, I think that wasn't because I was brave. I think it's because I really, I think I had learned enough where, you know, I truly understood. If I didn't understand what it was, I probably would have been in the mindset of, you know, the exorcists and demons and, you know, and evil and, you know, not, or not knowing what or how these things behave. And, you know, then it could be quite scary because now you're left to, of course, the unknown. But I think not that we know everything about this stuff, obviously, but we do know about, you know, the way a lot of it behaves and things like that. And uh, so, no, I wasn't, uh, you know, I wasn't scared at all. Of course, like I said, I was writing a book, so I was anxious to get stuff for the book. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, what if you were alone? If you would have went to the house there all by yourself um, at the very beginning and without any real support team, you could just bring one person with you, you go to the house and spend a day or two. Do you think it would have been a different situation for you? Would you have been a little more scared? Uh, maybe at night I would be. 
Yeah. I'm pretty I'm pretty good at freaking myself out, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know, maybe, maybe at night. Um, although it's fu- it's funny because the the first night we did a sleepover and and Shane was there and uh, yeah, I fell like right to sleep. I mean, I fell right to sleep and woke <laughs> up in the morning. And I was trying to stay up with him. I just fell right to sleep, and he's like, "Man, I'm surprised you didn't wake up." I, there's these noises, and then, you know, so I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, I get it. Evidently, I'm not scared of anything." Other than losing sleep, so you know, yeah. but but yeah, I think if it was just me all alone, yeah, yeah you know, you know, maybe I don't think I would be shivering, but certainly you'd be a little more paranoid, or you know, yeah, you'd be more. Uh, yeah, board. I'd still be pretty good, but again, I you know, I would be, you know, uh, I might be twenty percent scared, even if I didn't believe in ghosts at all. But so you didn't really get the impression it was it was an evil place overall. Like I, I I'm not into the demon scenario, but I just like. Right, right. But you're not getting a place that it was kind of you know just dark feeling and kind of real down. No, not at all. E- even when I had. Um, you know, the, the experience in the basement where I felt like there was hundreds of people there. I didn't feel like they were bad people or good people, just, you know, that, that it was very, yeah, it, actually very similar to what Lorraine Warren said, which was, you know, the house is full. Yeah. And um, and Paul had the same experience in the same spot I did. Paul and Ben did at a different time, which is interesting because we didn't talk to each other, but Donna had mentioned it to me, and she said, I didn't I said, Donna, do you feel anything here? And she says, no, nah, I never felt anything here. But it's funny you say that because Paul and Ben almost said the exact same thing you did. So I thought that was weird. And then, you know, Shane did test the area. You know, he tested, uh, you know, electrical, making sure there's nothing that make would make you feel a little weird there. Or something. You know, again, you have to try to, even though you know there's phenomena going on in the house, you know, we still have to, of course, make sure that isolate those variables, make sure that that's really what's going on. With that particular experience, you know, so. And in a particular room like that, and when you're saying you feel like there's like lots of people and you're in a crowd, do you, do you feel like they know you're there too? Do you feel part of the group or do you feel isolated in the group? No, I felt like they knew I was there. Um, it's funny, you had, yeah, nobody asked me that, but now, now that I'm thinking about it, yeah, I did feel they knew I was there. I don't know if they really did, but um, but I felt like that maybe just because they were so they felt so close, you know, like they were everywhere. And I know during the experience, um, there were um, I mean there were incidents where people did not interact with us. I mean, like you know the general store where you hear horses, and outside there's you hear horses, and and then you hear kind of the general store chatter like customers. Those weren't interacting, but then on the other other hand, uh, there's uh, the experience where we keep going in the basement, and suddenly we find, you know, we set up stuff in the basement when went down there 20 minutes later, and, and now this cabinet door is wide open, like blocking the way to the uh, the, um, the workshop, which you know Shane had said is the most active area, and he said, well, yeah, it's blocking the way; he doesn't want us in here. Not because it's evil, almost because they're kind of scared in a way. Right. You know, as Shane explained, they're you know they're again they're dealing with our intrusion the same way that we would potentially view their 
themselves is is intruding. They're just a little scared. They know we're on to them, you know. <laughs> and we got cameras and all this stuff yeah. set up, so they're like, "Whoa, what's yeah. going on here?" You know. <laughs> yeah, they're quick. Hide the drugs. Exactly. Yeah, right. Yeah. Hide the. Hide, yeah. Hide the spirit. Drugs. Yeah. Hide the spirit drugs. Yeah. No. It's um. It's just interesting. And and and. Do you ever feel like they're trying to connect with you, or are they just sort of let you in the group? Or did you feel, did you feel other people's conversations? Did you feel other people's thoughts? Um, I did not. Uh, Shane did, and probably Paul too. I'm I'm not sensitive at all. Uh, so the fact that I felt anything is a miracle. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you know, who knows? Maybe I'll get it as you know the experience goes on. Um, I, you know, I do know over the years, um, they have, I mean, I remember Donna's daughter, well, not re- remember from experience, but from the diaries that, you know, Donna's daughter was sick at one point and, you know, and she, she woke up and there was two ladies standing over her, you know, sp- spirits saying, oh, you know, she looks sick, you know, you know, what should we do? And, you know, like they're, you know, they're just trying to help out yeah. and very, of course, then she got scared and they, they disappeared, but um, so sometimes they do interact and we, uh, we had a question and answer, uh, session, um, in an area that Shane felt somebody and then, and I asked every question like three times to make sure that, you know, I'm not hearing things and, you know, and we asked first name and, and then I asked last name and, uh, and I got Harry Wilcox and I didn't know who that was, but, you know, in talking to Donna, Harry, Harry was, the brother of William, who was the guy who bought that piece of land to build the house on. So that, and he actually lived in the house, you know, at one time. So I thought that was fascinating. To me, that was pretty, you know, that was pretty good. Uh, so we, you know, we did have interactions, um, of that nature. And we also heard them kind of interacting, uh, amongst themselves. So again, you know, sometimes there's, interaction and other times of course they're going about their business not really caring like in the case of you know the general store stuff it's just business as usual and you know they don't care that you're there or probably don't even know you're there in a case like that um how have you kind of um assigned that sort of situation is it kind of residual and it's repeating itself or is it something that's actually going on now they are actually kind of living out a way yeah i i would say and again i'm you know i'm i'm no expert on it other than that i know that um if i'm going to go with the theory quantum physics which i think is probably the best theory right now again still highly speculative long way to go i would say they're they're doing it now that it's not residual um and i know that you know, from the literature, there's a lot of residual kind of stuff or, you know, things considered residual that can be disturbed and, and then there could be, a, you know, real time interactions or real time continuation. So, uh, hmm. you know, I think I, you know, I'm open to both, but I probably would go with the, the multiverse, you know, it's actually happening now in some other, you know, the whole time space is not, uh, linear almost like a time slip right um again i wouldn't bet my life on either theory but <laughs> well <laughs> but, you know right you know but if i had to but i had to guess i probably would the residual thing i, I think is an interesting theory but it, it seems a little bit weird you know well, yeah. um 
you know, I'm also not a big proponent of, you know, you're dead and you got lost. You know, I don't right. know. I, I have a problem with that when I think, uh, especially since most of the people who believe that are fairly religious, which makes you wonder, you know, what, what, what kind of, what kind of show is God running up there? Yeah. <laughs> getting it. And why do they need you to help them over to the other side? Is, yeah. That's my big question is why do they need you? You know, if you believe, if you're religious, you believe in God, and uh, now these people are lost, um, why are you helping them? Because if God wants to be lost, let him be lost and stop interfering. <laughs> yeah. well, I don't know. You know, maybe I'm being crass, but I mean, I, to me, no, it never, I, quite, made, never quite made sense. It was always kind of like, well, why are they here? And it was very primitive, like, well, um, I forgot my keys. I got something else I have to do. You know, you know yeah. what I mean? It just, it's, it just seemed a very simplistic. And, of course, we always want to try to make reasons of these things, but that one never made sense. What do you mean they're lost? I don't know. What do you mean they have unfinished business? That's not fair. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's over, all right? Go. Yeah. yeah, business is <laughs> Time's done. up. Yeah. yeah, time's up. Sorry you didn't do it. Uh, yeah, I, I ask that question quite often, and, and you're right, and it's usually on a religious sort of um, framework, person. And um, I, I don't know. I don't think there's an answer to that. That always seems a little strange. Um, yeah, it's tough. But I, I, I mean, I hope it's not true because I'll be one of the ones that are lost because I'm, I'm always getting lost. Yeah. <laughs> Even, I'm always getting lost here, so I can just imagine, you know, throw me a loop in some other dimension. I'm done. You'll be walking around yeah, for, for years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. That's fun. No, I, and another thing, now, this is one of the first times I've ever, well, you know, I'm, I'm only, you know, small time, but in interviewing the people I, I have, that now this situation, you tie a lot in with, with the ghosts and UFOs, and we're talking um, Bigfoot, all sorts of phenomena here. So, what do you think they're all tied together then? Yes, definitely. I think, um, you know, years ago it was very common, you know, the UFO people don't want to talk to the ghost people because they're stupid. And, you know, nobody wants to talk to Bigfoot people because they're out of their minds. And, you know, and now I think we're, we're more at a place where we realize that these things are not, can't really be thought of in silos. Certainly you can. You know, you can investigate, uh, you know, Bigfoot on its own kind of thing. But I mean, I think the, um, that they are very related. And I think places like, uh, this paranormal flap as well as Skinwalker Ranch and Bridgewater Triangle, you know, all those kind of, uh, flaps, um, you know, lend the question of a more holistic view that, that these things, you know, they don't necessarily, of course, know all each other, but these things are definitely, um, intersects of some sort and they may all travel in the same kind of way you know maybe ufos aren't from another planet maybe they're from another dimension another time you know that kind of thing and maybe that's why you know bigfoot's so good at hide and seek is because you know these parallel world intersects and um yeah i was at a ufo convention last year and i i believe the statistic was something like 83 percent of the time there's you know this ufo stuff that there's haunted houses and so, you know, we're making these connections uh, more and more. 
and uh, and I think that's that's a good thing. Just like um, you know, many many years ago, if a house is haunted, you really wouldn't think to look to the other houses. You know, it was kind of known. It wasn't like completely unknown. It would you know you'd think of it as like a spillover or something. But you wouldn't be think of it in terms of like a more like a portal kind of thing. Right. And I think now we realize that, um, you know, if you have a haunted house that you look and, and I use that term loosely because sometimes it's the people that are haunted or the land or, you know, et cetera, you know, you look towards the other, uh, places and there probably are more than just that one. Not always because of course it depends on what it is, you know, or, you know, the nature of that kind of haunting, you know, there's different kinds and stuff, but, um, but yeah, I think we're really, uh, we're more in tune with looking, you know, beyond that. And I think we need to continue to do that. I think that's probably one of the biggest advancements that, that we've made, you know, cause it's so hard to make advancements in, in this stuff. Yeah. And I, and I think the looking at it holistically is, uh, is definitely one of the bigger, you know, ad- advancements, um, in thought that you know that we've made with the phenomena. Yeah, and so are you a believer that um, UFOs and aliens are part of our experience with, as we call it, ghosts or spirits? Um, like one is really they're really connected, as in um, how do I exp- explain that? That a lot of. Um, well, some people believe that, that, that the aliens and the UFOs have all been part of the time slip, and it's all part of what we see when we f- deal with spirits and ghosts. Oh, I see. I mean, it certainly could be. And, you know, that's the big question. I, I, would, I would definitely be very open to uh, them being from another place slash time, not necessarily another planet, if you will, right. but another, you know, dimension. Um yeah, I, I, but I, I would say maybe 50, go either way. You know, I mean, they could be from a different planet, but they've learned to be able to, you know, travel in this way, or maybe it really is, um, you know, like what you just described. And, uh, and that certainly is, uh, you know, a theory a lot more people are, are talking about these days is exactly that, that, you know, wouldn't that explain how they're, you know, able to come and go and, you know, so fast and so, um, seemingly more advanced than maybe they even need to be, you know, depending on, of course, how this whole travel works, obviously. Right, right. Something beyond. Um, and so there's also sightings of Bigfoot around the house in the area. Did, did, did any of that family itself, like Dawn and that, see Bigfoots? You know, they, it's interesting that they, they actually did and they didn't say we saw Bigfoot. They described this as just another paranormal experience. They didn't know what it was. And it was interesting because as I'm interviewing them, I'm like, wow, you know, and, and I told them afterwards, I said, you, did you know that you just described like a classic kind of Bigfoot? You know, because they didn't know. <laughs> so I thought that was, uh, that was really cool, you know, that they didn't really know what it was per se. It was just a, you know, to them, it was just a cryptid, you know, or a weird, you know, uh, thing. So, um, and I think, you know, Paul mentioned, Paulino mentioned a really great, uh, way to view this too, is to say, you know, we tend to think of, you know, if it's 
phenomena seen outside, it's more likely UFOs. If it's inside, it's, you know, it's spirits. But, um, you know, sometimes stuff that happens inside could be UFO related or, or kind of tracks more with uh, some of the UFO phenomena. So, again, we put things into context based on, you know, the way we see things. So, um, you know, it's a challenge. You got to continually, you know, make yourself objective and question things. And, um, so, you know, so that's a challenge for us all. So, so personally, what was the uh, most, um, I will say most, um, memorable experience from you being in the house? Uh, was it the crowd downstairs? Uh, yeah, I would say it was equally the crowd and, and, you know, the door being open because I mean, Nobody was down there. You know, I, I tried to duplicate it. It's actually held shut magnetically. It was just, that to me was fascinating. I mean, it doesn't seem like a big deal, but, you know, <laughs> it was, well, well, that, and we did, ca- I mean, we captured the head of a little girl in, you know, reflection in the, uh, in the door. Um, and also this thing that went by the front of the house, um, so now that I think of it, there was uh, there's a few things, <laughs> but yeah, it was all quite uh, it, it was all quite neat, um, yeah. and um, you know, and of course the the video that or that wasn't in the house, but I mean the video that Paul took is absolutely one of the more fascinating things that I've ever seen, um, especially having you know Mark's uh, uh, Antonio's eye on it and. Um, you know, he looked and bet it through the, uh, through the photos here. And I'm, I'm, I'm good to say that, you know, this photo looks weird. It's either something completely screwed up or this is multiple worlds intersecting kind of thing. You know, I try to leave it open because it's, you know, I don't want to preach to somebody and say this is definitely what it is because I, I think the best we can say is this is weird. And I think this very well could be phenomena based on what goes on in the house. But, um, but you know, remaining objective is is a must. Yeah, and for for Donna, and what was the biggest kind of most interesting story that she told you that uh, has been that's that you put in the book? So if people um, buy the book, they'll get this an idea of uh, the kind of things that happened to her. Wow, there. I mean, there's. I mean, there's so, so many, but it's a really yeah. There's so many, but. Um, uh, one of them that's uh, very interesting is uh, uh, when Donna, this back in 1979, uh, Donna, of course, being, I think, a teenager at that time, or very young, but, you know, younger at that time, and her mother um, opened the mailbox by the front door, and there was a note in it from two old friends, and it said, uh, sorry, we miss you, Betty and Fred. And, you know, she hadn't seen them in nearly 30 years, so she was going to look for their number and call them. And, um, yeah, the note was written in pencil and kind of very shaky, like the pencil had been pressed down really hard onto the paper. And so she ended up finding the number and called them. They were surprised to hear from her, and they did not stop by, and they didn't leave a note, and they hadn't been in the area for years. And then about a week later, they got a note from two other friends, Ruby and Garnett. It was almost the same kind of writing, you know, sort of shaky, pressed deeply into the paper. 
and she hadn't seen them in many years. And said she'll call them and have them over for lunch. Uh, before she could even call them, they appear at the door, and so she welcomes them in and says, "Hey, you know, I got your note. Sorry, I, you know, we missed you." And they looked at each other puzzled and said, "We didn't leave a note." And um, matter of fact, we just decided to stop by a few minutes ago. You know, they no longer lived in the area, and it was an unplanned stop just as they were passing through. So that's kind of that time slip thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah a lot of very fascinating things like that. Hmm. Uh, phone call from an old, uh, sound like a ship, like an old-time uh, ship uh, emergency. Um, of course, we've heard about, you know, phone calls from the dead, that kind of thing. So, you know, even a weird, weird phone call she's had, um, the children, uh, talking about, you know, before I was your baby, I was you know, all of a sudden going on like that in the back seat. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, yeah. Yeah. Just oh, a, and, and a the, nice wide variety of things, some of which, and, you know, I had some experienced people with me and some which, they said they never heard of before, so that was cool. Oh, and at the um, um, dawn awaking to the time of twelve forty-two, and that being the house number. Um, now, do you find that that's something that? Have you ever researched things like that, like numbers, and why people see them? <clears throat> well, the uh, you know the one thing I know, and I think Shane had mentioned it that. Um, you know, it, the big question is, you know, is that phenomena or not? And it um, it appeared like it could be, you know, and, and, and as Shane pointed out, and I think Paul, too, that, you know, it's one of the ways that these things try to get your attention or, you know, trying to give a message to let, let them let you know it's something, someone intelligent behind it, whether it's an ancestor, you know, or whatever it happens to be, an entity. <clears throat> but, um, you know, you always have to consider... Um, are people just noticing that time because they're making that connection in, the head, in their heads, knowing everything that goes on in the house? But because it's such a specific time, um, in this case, and the amount of times it occurred, um, you know, I, I lean towards phenomena. But, you know, being a, a healthy skeptic, um, you know, I, I think it... it Potentially can go either way, just like with 9-11, people were seeing the number 9-11 everywhere, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, in this case, it's a very specific, you know, it's not like midnight. You know, I mean, I kept waking up at midnight, you know, and then you say, well, yeah, all right, you know. Um, so, so again, it could be, and I try to, I include that, I include it off there knowing that a lot of it um, would be. Uh, phenomena, and some of it may or may not be, but it's interesting enough, and it's in the right house where it very well could be. You know, like there was an incident where Donna was uh, uh, very ill and almost going to die, and and the you know the grandmother said, if I can switch places, you know, I'd give her my life, and then Donna miraculously recovered, and you know the grandmother died, and that was in the house, and so. You know, I'm not a conspiracy guy or anything, so you'd say, well, is that really phenomena or is that just, you know, yeah. a coincidence or whatever? Well, you know, normally I'd say coincidence, but in this house, I'd say it very well could be yeah. <laughs> something more, you know what I mean? <laughs> so 
I think you include all of that, and then you know, and kind there's of definitely it. plenty of real phenomena in there. But you know, um, rather than leave it out because you'd say, well, I don't know either way, I'd rather include it because again, in this house, it, you know, it, it it would be much more likely to to really be phenomena versus just a coincidence. So. Yeah. Well, I personally was always a skeptic toward the numbers sort of thing but now that it's happened to me in my life (laughs) oh yeah Yeah. i'm sort of a little bit more um it gives me thought you know i can't just let it go now like like the old days i mean i understand the idea of you buying a certain car or a certain thing and you see other people with it so you get a association right yeah yeah but but the numbers um sometimes too precise and too often so yeah, that that's that was my point about you know the numbers very precise. It's not like oh I wake up every night at one o'clock and it is it really one or is it one fifteen or is it you know but this right. is you know when you're saying you're waking at a precise time yeah you know then it makes you think maybe this is a way that you know they they call your attention to it you know which which has you know Shane brought up both both ways that you know could very well be real that. You know, this is this is how they gain attention, or you know, or it could be just you know noticing it, and you know, yeah. uh, and uh, but uh, but I do trust Donna, and you know, when she says it's more than that, um, you know, I trust her because she's big to put down things that are not. She she also is very good at looking at stuff that's looking at reasons that are not paranormal. So she's very good at, at doing that. Um, so if she says, if she's got a good inkling that this is something out of the ordinary, um, I tend to put a little more trust in it than I normally would just knowing her and you know, all the things that she's disproved, you know, during this journey. So, hmm. Well, certainly amazing. Where do, where do you, where do you see, um, her go, do you ever see her moving away or? Um, well, you know, I, I know Bob may not want may may want to because you know it's it's a big place to heat. So you know, <laughs> so you know from that point of view. But I think Donna um, is uh, proud and 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 loves the home for the fact that it's been in the family for so long. So you know, I, I don't know. I could see it going either way to sell if they have to, you know, financial reasons, etc. Because you know, big house. Uh, but I can also see them staying in it and wanting to pass it on to the family for of course the obvious reason it's been in the family for six generations and um and that it is so special because of the phenomena and and you know of course you know, they don't believe it's anything harmful either so right wow well fascinating book great read and thank you um thank you for being on the show now um anybody that's listening that would like to uh maybe send you uh some information or have some questions how do they do that uh yeah everything's on my website uh, william j hall h-a-l-l author.com uh there's a list of uh, appearances interviews uh, you can get an autographed copy of the book directly from me if you'd like you can send me a note a question share uh something you've experienced you know i'd love to hear that and you know also could be included in, in a you know future book of course um, so yeah, that one site should give you um, everything you need to know, and hopefully you'll enjoy it. And there's some cool stuff there. So great, fantastic. Well, thank you for for talking again. This is a pleasure always. 
Oh, my pleasure, too. Thank you. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back. Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out at the French Open for a chance to win a Grand Slam title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. See the action unfold as legends fight for glory and new rivalries emerge. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th, with match replays on demand so you never miss a moment. From the first serve to the final point, Roland Garros promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.